0: We talked about Stephen a little bit this morning. I think if there was a man that surrendered more than most of us, I think Stephen would be the man. Stephen was quite the man, as we've looked at. And tonight, look at all those verses we have to look at tonight. We're basically going to break down someone else's sermon. Now, I hope you don't ever go and break down my sermons. Sometimes that might be a good thing, sometimes it might not be. And uh, But Stephen's message, this is an awesome message here in Acts chapter number 7. We're going to start reading verse number 1, and we're going to go through 36. Now, may I just say, this would be a, stat, a, a sad statement if it was true tonight, that you're going to read more Bible in the next couple minutes with me than you read all this last week. Shame on the Christian who doesn't pick up the Word of God and read it. Shame. There are people all around the world that wish they had a Bible, and you have the Word of God. You might say, I'm not a great reader, then listen to it. You have that capability Get in the Word of God. And so some of you, this might be more Bible than you've done all year long, and I won't even get into that tonight. Say, I, I, there's got to be part of Brian's message, too, not just Stephen's message tonight. Verse number one. Now if you remember, let's go back into chapter number 6 to remind us from last week. Because some of you don't remember what you ate for lunch today. So I don't expect you to remember last Sunday night. I get it. I don't even know if it weren't for the fact that we were in the last few verses. I wouldn't remember where we were either. And so verse number 12 says, And they stirred up the people. And they, v- verse number 11. it's uh, Verse 10. Let's go up to 10. 10's a good spot. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. This is Stephen. And they subverted men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. He is before the Sanhedrin, the high priest here. Literally, he's not going to be able to defend himself. They've brought in false witnesses, In all reality, it is setting up for Stephen to be killed for his faith. That's what is set up before us. He could have cowered behind that. He could have been in fear about it. And um, I mentioned this morning, we went through those verses on persecution this morning. Second service the Lord started working on me about a new thought in that passage that I'm going to work on a sermon from and that happens at times I would really love the Lord to like work on me on Tuesday on that thought so it would be ready for Sunday not Sunday in the second service sometimes if it comes the first service that's okay because I can get it get it going but literally in the second service if you see there in verse number 14 it tells us in First Peter where we were this morning sorry in case you've lost my train of thought as I said it's all mush up here anyway so it's just all blending together Chapter 3, in verse number 14, it said there not to be fearful and not to be troubled. But the next verse says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And so we look at that, and we see that, and really in all reality, the problem is we live in fear and we live with anxieties. We live with the Lord too. But the Bible says that we're supposed to sanctify. And being sanctified, that's being set apart. So, what we have to do if we are going to stand when our day comes, and why Stephen was able to stand here was he wasn't looking at what they could do to him or the anxiety of being in front of that group. He set the anxiety and set the fear to the side, and he set apart his heart, his mind, on the Lord. And when you got fear and you got anxieties going through your, going through your mind and going through, it's hard to focus on what you're supposed to do. That's why we got to remove those, set apart, and open up our hearts to the Lord and let Him work. And then we'll be able to give an answer to every man that asks us the hope that's in us with meekness and fear, as the Scripture says. So Stephen is not going to make it out of this. He's probably not going to. And we don't see him come here to defend himself. I think he's thinking, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in a blaze. I don't think it was quite like that. Stephen wanted people to turn to Christ. That was his goal. Stephen is a great Christian that gave his life to the gospel. And I sincerely believe, as I said this morning, we might not have had the Apostle Paul if it were not for this life being taken. Verse number 1 of chapter 7 says, and get ready, we're reading 36 verses, but you can deal with it. Some of you need to do more Bible reading each day. So here we go. Then said the high priest, are these things so? Did you really do all these things they're saying, the blasphemy and things? And he said, I love, he doesn't even answer the high priest. And I, you remember how there's one time that Paul, he, um, he didn't realize, he spoke back against the high priest, and they're like, Don't you realize that you're speaking to the high priest? And he didn't recognize him as the high priest. I sincerely believe he didn't recognize him as the high priest because he's not the high priest. The high priest is in heaven at this time. The high priest has already made intercession for the saints. And so he doesn't even, he addresses everyone there. Verse 2 says, And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Turan and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come to the land which I will show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Turan. And from thence when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. And you see, just a thing to remind you, God never told Abram to take his dad with him or, his, or Lot. Now, Lot, at the end of the day, made his own decisions, and Lot had to pay the consequences of that. But if Abraham would have obeyed God, Lot would have never been there in the first place. That's a thought there for you. And uh, Abram, his dad, was a stumbling block in his life. He was supposed to get away from all of that. And once his dad died, he went to where God told him to go. Verse five says, and he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as his foot on his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it him for a possession and to his seed after him, while well, he as yet had no child. And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob. And Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. So you see, what is he doing here? Stephen is going all the way back to Abraham. Very smart place to go with this group of people. Verse number 9. And he goes from them to Joseph. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him, and delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now there came a dearth over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no substance. And when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred, threescore and fifteen souls. So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers, and were carried over into Sichem, and, and laid in the sepulchre of Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Amor, the father of Shechem. But that's the New Testament way, the Greek way of saying it there. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. Till another king arose, which knew not Joseph, the same dealt subtly with our kindred, and evil entreated our fathers so they cast out their young children to the end that they might not live. In which time Moses was born. I love it. He goes from Abraham to Joseph to Moses. They revered Abraham. They revered Moses. They revered Joseph. And look what it says. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him For her own son, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deed. And when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brother and the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, we are brethren. Why do ye wrong one to another? But he that did them to his neighbor wrong, thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler or a judge over us? Wilt thou kill us as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when 40 years were expired, so Moses is 80 years old after he's, he hasn't even gone back into Egypt, and he's 80. And some of you think, 80? Yeah, 80. Do you know God has plans for you in your later years in life? He does. He does. As long as you're breathing, you must have something to do for the Lord, right? Because if you're not breathing, you can't do anything else for the Lord here. Let's keep on going. It says, And when his forty years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And when he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, Put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I have seen I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groanings, and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge, the same did God set to be a ruler and deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. He brought them out after he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and the Red Sea and the wilderness 40 years. Some of you think I'm a long-winded preacher, but I tend to say that Stephen is a long-winded preacher as well. Let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to look at the part number one of Stephen's message. Father, we love you. We thank you for the time that we have tonight. I pray that you guide us and help us. We need you. We love you. We thank you for who you are. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We saw as chapter 6 closes, we saw Stephen was falsely accused and he's basically there with the Sanhedrin and he's been accused of these things. But what I love to see is that Stephen knew the word of God so well. You know, in all reality, Stephen didn't right there in front of all those people that day open up his Bible and just go through the Bible. Stephen knew the word of God. And may I just put a little plug in your mind tonight, you should know the Word of God. Say, Pastor, I just can't. Oh, you know whatever songs you want to know, and you know whatever you want to know. If something's important to you to know, guess what? You get it done. It's the way it works. You don't know the Word of God because you don't care to know the Word of God. And it's a shame for any Christian not to care about the Word of God. What did you do with God's Word this last week? Say, Pastor, you've said this three times. I'm saying it for a fourth time. Say, well, why don't you go on to something else? Because it bothers you talking about God's Word when you don't read it. How can a Christian not spend time in the Word of God? And I'm not asking you to spend hours every day. I'd just be glad if you opened it every day. And I am thankful there are some in this room you do. Praise God for that. Keep it up. And there might be a day that you miss here or there. I know how that goes. But we should strive to be in the Word of God. Stephen knew the Word of God. How we need to know the Word of God. May I just tell you here, tensions were high. This was a stress-filled situation for Stephen here. Yet, there was great grace that was upon Stephen at this time. He was a man, as we looked at last week, full of faith. And full of the Spirit of God. And you see, when the high priests are questioning Stephen, Stephen's life was at risk. In response, Stephen gives an overview of the children of Israel's time in the Old Testament. Tonight, I'm going to take a little bit of time, and I'm just going to break down his message and give you some thoughts from that tonight. I'm basically giving an outline to Stephen's message. And next week, it'll be part two. So number one tonight, we see that Stephen reminded the Sanhedrin of some things. There were some reminders made. Stephen was not concerned about claiming his innocence. He knew he was a marked man. He was more concerned about the gospel of Jesus Christ than his own life. That tells me that was a man that wasn't focused on fear or on his anxieties. This was a man who was focused and had set apart his mind and his heart to the Lord, and he was ready to give an answer to every man. He was giving them the reason why he did what he did. Every Christian needs this. As we look at this, we see letter A. We see God's challenge to Abraham. We see God's challenge to Abraham. When we go back and we think about Abraham, that was quite an order of God. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your kindred. I want you to go to a new land that I'm going to take you to. And when we think about those things, we know that where he was, there was a lot of pagan gods. It was not the place. God would not be able to use Abraham like he wanted to if Abraham stayed in that place. He called him out of that place. And that's where we see there's a lot of distractions in this world today. We're not called to be in this world, but we're not of this world. And God challenged Abraham, you need to go out. And faith for the Jews began with Abraham's decision to follow God. Did it take him some time? It took some time, but he followed God. May I just remind you of sign too, as we look at this. I think what, what Stephen was trying to do is trying to remind those there in the temple that, hey, faith didn't start in an institution. It started with a man trusting God. That's where it began. And so I want you to understand And we look at this tonight, our faith doesn't start in an institution. It's an individualized faith that comes into play when the Word of God works on a person's heart. That's where it begins. So we see letter A, God challenged Abraham. We see letter B, that here he reminded them of Abraham's faith in God's Word. We're looking, that would be verses 1 through 8 here. And God told him, hey, you're going to have a son. And that son's going to be great. You're going to be given this land. But did Abraham get all that that day? He did not get it that day. In fact, his seed in all reality, the reason why the Lord is not done with Israel is because God hasn't fulfilled all of his promises to Abraham yet, all of them. And so, but Abraham, he took faith in the fact that if God says it, I'm going to believe him. Did he waver some? Of course he did. Just like us. Did he listen to his wife one time? He shouldn't have. Yes. There's probably another time he should have listened to her. That would have been a good time, but this was not the time to listen to her. And guys, be very careful about these things. You let women run the show, they ate us out of the garden, and then they brought all this chaos in the Middle East. And I'm totally teasing when I say all of that. So some of you ladies just smile a little bit, okay? Just smile about it. Just remember, when God made you, he stopped making anything else because he's like, wow. I've made woman, and there's nothing else I've got to do. Everything's complete now. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. At God's word, Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldeans and he moved into and he moved eventually. He had nothing there. He didn't have a Thomas guide to direct him. He didn't have a cell phone to tell him where to go. He wanted. God wanted him to go where He told him to. Think about that. You get in the car. To start driving. Where am I going? Just shut up and drive. Just drive, I'll tell you when to stop." It's literally what this was like. And Stephen is pointing out what he's really doing with all these things in all reality. He's pointing out how temporary the temple overall is. He's kind of putting them all in how important Jesus Christ is. And you'll see this later on. But you've got to understand something. Building. Everything they had was on that temple. And that temple is going to be destroyed. But Abraham put stock in what God said. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 8 through 13. Wow, you guys are really getting the Bible at night, aren't you? It says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Um, Cometh this blessedness then only upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they were not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them that are not circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps that the faith of our father Abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And you see circumcision, uncircumcision, all through there. The basis is it doesn't matter what, you, what Abraham did. It was his faith in God that he was imputed righteousness for. That's what it's teaching us right there. And so Stephen, he reminds them of these things. Letter C, he reminds them of the length of the journey. 400 years, it tells us here. And they still didn't have it all. 400 years of trials and persecution in Egypt before the children of Israel would even get to the promised land. Abraham's faith rested in God. And and you've got to understand something. Faith is what it's all about. We all want to see it, but that's not faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's what faith is. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We see, number one, that he reminds them about Abraham and his faith. Number two, we see that Stephen, he reasons with the Sanhedrin now. And as he reasons with them, what's he reasoning to them about? Joseph. Not only did he want to remind them of some things, but now he's talking about Joseph to them. What are some things that we see about Joseph here? We see, first of all, letter A, that Joseph was rejected by his brethren. In all reality, Joseph was a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. And as Joseph was rejected by his brethren, the Sanhedrin and the high priest rejected Jesus it's the same. It, there's something coming. It's building. It's building. He was rejected of his brethren. We see letter B, that Joseph was raised up by God. Joseph became the ruler in, jo- in, Pharaoh, in Potiphar's house, in Pharaoh's house. Where, and think about this. Jesus is raised, isn't he? See, there's some comparisons there. We see that letter C, that Joseph was revealed to his brethren. This is right here in these verses. Joseph revealed himself. When we think about that time in the Old Testament, and guess what? Jesus rose from the dead, and he revealed himself to all of them there. And they rejected him. Letter D. Or C, letter D. We see that um, Joseph was... About that do you remember when it was about his brethren when you go to the promised land and that was a long time. remember there were several pharaohs that were raised up. it was a long time and they took his bones with them when they left Egypt and brought them to the promised land. And in all reality, I think it's an awesome picture. I used at Martha's um, burial on Wednesday. I, I use this pa- that passage often. Because there's a great picture of us going to the promised land in that. And Martha's body is there in the grave, her soul and her spirits with the Lord. And someday the Lord's going to call and her body's going to be in the promised land. It pictures Joseph right there. There's a great picture of the resurrection and our bodily resurrection found in Joseph and his bones. Sometime you take and look at that if you want to. And uh, we think about what the Bible tells us in Joshua 24:32, And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, and a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver and became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. We see all that we see tonight and next week you're going to see where he's going. You might say, well, why why Abraham? Why Joseph? And then Moses. You're going to have to come back next week to see how it all ties together. Which leads us to number three tonight. We see that Stephen had respect. He respected Moses. And he talked about Moses here. And we see that Moses was pretty handsome, kind of like your pastor. You see that there in verse 20? It says, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair. And um, we see all that he goes through in his life and all the things that happen. We see the fact that the people, their letter A, the people grew in Egypt. I don't believe it was ever God's plan for his people to stay in Egypt because he had a promised land for them. But they stayed there. Now, you know, we could look back and there's a lot we could say and a lot of things that we could think about here. Why did they stay? They went there because of the famine, right? And God used Joseph for them there but it almost seems to me like God had to bring some persecution along to get them to leave and want to leave. They, lo- they were comfortable there. Doesn't it kind of remind you of the book of Acts in the early church? They were comfortable in Jerusalem and the persecution helped them spread out. You know, sometimes God allows things in our lives and to, and to these people's lives to get them where they're supposed to be. And I believe that's the case I believe they were never supposed to stay in Egypt They did as long as they did I do not know but they were comfortable there In fact they wanted to go back there some of them didn't they And so the people grew in Egypt And Abraham's descendants Grew and multiplied There and there finally rose up a king who did not know Joseph You know one thing that tells me That tells me as a society That time will go to where people Don't know like okay there Joseph saved them He rescued them. If there was no Joseph in all reality, there would have been no Egypt or any place else. He was their savior in all reality. And God used him. But there grew up a Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. Makes me think of America today. Even our forefathers, they were not all Christians. If you want to claim they were all Christians, you have rocks in your head, okay? They were not all great, good, godly men there were some good godly men there just like there always are in different places and things like that but one thing is I believe they all feared God enough and you look at the writings from the beginning we're getting to the day to where the president and those in congress they don't know God and it's a scary thing in a nation when you forget God just as Egypt forgot Joseph it's a scary day and that's where we're at. We're right there. People think they have all the power. They sound like Pharaoh all over again. They have no power if it were not for God. The people grew in Egypt. The people also let her be. We see the fact they cried out to God. Why did they cry out? They only began to cry out when they were in bondage. We don't see any place before that that they cried out. It took a Pharaoh that knew and. I love the fact that God can take the messes of this world and things that happen and he can make them work for good. It was good for the children of Israel to get out of Egypt. But being in slavery is not good. But the result was good to get them out of there. People cry to God. And we know that Pharaoh murdered all the firstborn males and would throw them in the Nile River. And may I just remind you, we think the Holocaust was bad. Go all the way back there. Look at what Nebuchadnezzar, Nero, lots of different people have done to Jews. They've been hated for a very long time. And it's wrong and it should have no place. And as Bible-believing Christians, I don't agree with everything the Jews do. But they are God's people. And they should be, and this is the thing, it doesn't make them saved. They have to get saved just like us. Don't think they have a special mark on salvation because it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. But people need to treat Israel better than what they do. We see the people cried out to God, let her see. We see God raised up Moses. He was born in Egypt. And you think, what a terrible time for Moses to be born. Man, what faith his parents had. The fact that they raised this child up in the midst of what was going on in this city. The fact that they could take their baby and place him in a little a little ark, really. It was a little ark is what it was. It's amazing what an ark can do, right? And aren't you grateful for your ark tonight, your little boat? Jesus, I'm sure grateful for my ark. But he gets, and isn't it just amazing that Pharaoh's daughter's out there right at that time? And isn't it just amazing that Moses' the sister comes right at the right time and says, Hey, I, I, I'll get one of the Hebrew ladies to... Moses' mother gets rewarded enough. She's getting paid to take care of her own son. Think about that one. That Her faith was really blessed and rewarded there, wasn't it? And so he was born there. He also, the Bible tells us, letter D, he was schooled there. And he was schooled there, and he wasn't understood by his brethren. They didn't get it. Moses goes out, and this is another thing. Moses felt God's call on him, didn't he? He did. The Bible tells us this right here. But just because you've been called doesn't mean it's the right time. One of the things, I am glad that I waited. When I, when I got right out, I knew God called me to pastor when I was young. When I was 17 years old, I knew God called me to pastor. And I remember I've graduated Bible college and things. I'm 22 years old, and I'm ready to charge hell with a squirt gun and go pastor. And the advice from several pastors, they told me, you're not ready what do you know how do you know if i'm ready or not i'm glad i listen because it was god's will but i'm glad i waited for god's timing because look at what he opened up what if i would have rushed it moses rushed it and the people weren't ready moses thought they're ready for deliver no they're scared oh you're oh don't get mad at me moses you might kill me like you did this guy who do you think you are it's like, I know who I am. I know who God. God's called me to be. But it wasn't his time. And God had to take him from there. And he got to spend 40 years full of knocks out in the middle of the desert. Moses was a stubborn guy. It took him a long time to learn these lessons. I'm just glad I wasn't there. I'd still be in the desert. He was misunderstood. They didn't get it. Man, do you see a common theme with all these people? He was misunderstood by his brethren. Stephen's going somewhere about Jesus. I don't know if you can tell that yet. You can see where the message is going. Next, what else do we got there? We see that Moses was trained in the desert. Forty years in the desert. And think about this. And then he got to spend 40 more years in the desert. Poor Moses. He got all those people to lead and, and... they were they were terrible, and he got to spend 80 years in the wilderness. And He got to see the promised land. He just didn't get to go in it. He was trained there. God did a working in him. God prepared him. How'd be pretty crazy being an 80 year old man going back into Egypt, before Pharaoh. We see next and lastly that Moses was called and used by God. God came to him in the bush. God used him in a great way. What was Stephen accused of? He was accused about speaking about Jesus And against the temple. That was the accusations that were made. So you see what he has done. He's laying the groundwork on why the temple doesn't matter. Number one. And he's laying the groundwork why Jesus is so important.